Develops a thought which is maybe the hallmark, one of the famous hallmarks of the state of Mishnah of the old, and called Kukas Atesim. The also thought process that there are two groups of people in the world. There's Noistinim and Noistinim. There's people who are givers and people who take. People who are givers, Noistinim, he's terrible to Kodesh Baruch Hu, Kodesh Baruch Hu is a Noistinim. A person is born as a noble, child is born with nature to take, to take from others, to focus on taking. Child not considerate of others necessarily. And as a child grows, a child develops, the child understands that it has to focus on other people, it has to focus beyond itself onto other people's feelings. Take those feelings into consideration. And it goes through a process of maturing. Growing, and each step as a person becomes more mature, we say we, we talk about responsibility. We talk about taking other 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 focuses. Other people become important to us. It's significant to us. It's interesting. To see this thought developed in the Torah in the Torah process, in the mind, in the, what the Torah represents to us. And how this concept is developed and thought it's developed in a secular secular society. The next few words I'm going to read to you, if you had them not heard them once, yeah, you can twice, you've heard them many times in your life. I want to talk about them a little bit, and it's not July 4th. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they were endowed by the Creator with certain inalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments were instituted, instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That is the basis of the thought process of the United States of America, the government which was developed and set forth upon this nation. Right? Forced to go in seven years ago, it doesn't work anymore. When the Constitution came to be ratified, see, the Federalists who wanted to put all the power into the hands of the government had to take into effect that the anti Federalists were worried about the overbearing power of the federal government and they had to develop the Bill of Rights, which was eventually ratified in 1791. For those of you who remember your history class. And the Bill of Rights takes this thought and takes it to exact same basis the same thought. The person has the right to freedom of speech, freedom of religion, protection from seizure, for petition, for assembly, security of personal property against searches and seizures. The Mishra says in all this, the purpose of a, of a government. And in the style of Shlomo Shalmalkus, Shlomo Moreau Shalmalkus, Ish Israel Chaim Bloot. There's a reality in the world that people are going to hurt other people. And the purpose of the government, the way the terror understands a non-Jewish government, the purpose of a government is to protect one individual from another individual. Or with with the constitution and democracy, was we have to protect the human being from the government itself also. It's the same issue. The purpose of government is to protect one man from another, 
from one group, the majority can then take advantage of the minority under the same, under the, with the same issue. And what's going to stop them? They are the government. So they, they wanted to develop a government which was limited. But the purpose is non-interference. The purpose is to protect me against somebody else. I have a right to do whatever I want. I have certain inalienable rights. They belong to me. I own them. They're mine. They were given to me by my creator. And nobody may take them away from me. And that is the most sacred mission of the government. Excuse me if, I, if I'm talking a little bit about um, political science here tonight for a second. I'll take it a little further and I'll come back to that message I want to bring across. During the bicentennial of the Bill of Rights in 1991, there was an article written by, by, by a professor University of California, where he asked the question, we find the Bill of Rights was limited, we don't find the right for free education, the right for freedom of hunger, impoverishment. There's many rights with social welfare, all these rights are missing from the Bill of Rights. Why aren't they there? That was the question which he presented. I don't know how many of you have taken that so seriously to ask the question to start with, and that was his question, which is interesting. All, all of the rights basically are protecting from the government interfering in their life. Why aren't those rights, rights presented over there? He equates those rights, which he talks about, to the rights which are mentioned in the Bill of Rights. And they are, they are in, there is a difference between them, which is, an, which is an essential difference in understanding what the attitude of the secular society towards a human being is, towards a person's right, towards a person's purpose, and the Torah's vision. At this point, I, this is a question which he has in that article. Rabbi David Gottlieb, in, his, in one of the swarm, asks this exact same question. But he gives an answer. This person remains with the question. He does not give an answer. He says, he, and he says, the best way to understand, answer the question, is to think for a moment, what would be if the government would viol violate those rights? If I would describe to your government where there's no freedom of assembly, no freedom of petition, no freedom of speech, freedom of religion, seizure of property, etc. Your description of that government, that government would, be, would be a tyrannical government. If an individual, he's a despot, if it's a, a whole group, whatever it is, but it's a tyrannical government. If I just, however, if I describe to you a government which says government does not interfere in any person's life in any way, but they, don't not, they, they do not get free education, no social welfare programs. You would not describe that government as tyrannical. You describe the government as they're not nice, they're not interested, they don't care, etc. The definition, by definition, you're going to perceive it in a whole different light. The two are obviously different. The first set of rights is the right of non-interference. Let me, let me be. If you're interfering with me, therefore you are tyrannical. The second one is give me something. Give me education. Make sure that I am not poor. Make sure that I am not hungry. Take care of me. I can never say I have a right that somebody else must give me something else. I can never make such a claim as anybody else. The most I can say, I would like, morally it's nice, etc. You should do such things. But I cannot come along and claim that if you're not doing that, therefore you are a, a, you are a bad person. But if you're going to actually take advantage of me and take something away from me, then you're a bad person. And that is the difference which you say. That is in the system of rights which is developed by the, the mind. 
not going to discuss right now, but the, the moral status of all the founders of the founding fathers of our country, whether they're whether they're that's not important for our po- our points. <coughs> the point is, this is a system which is has been expressed and understood. If, just, if you want to just give one or two more examples of it, that originally that this government did not believe in social welfare concepts. There's also the protection that a, debt, a debtor's prison was a problem, a reality. The person was poor, he was poor. The concept of the social welfare is something which has been imported by socialism into this country. Income tax was illegal when this country started. Because that's interfering with somebody's property rights. They had to make a special amendment in the Constitution in order to permit the government to take away your money. Because the government has no right to take your money. And what does the government do with it now? They use it to service other people. Because of the hash, because of the concept of understanding that there's something which is morally right above and beyond the concept of don't interfere with me, we understand it. But if you want to, you want to, you want it to, to justify it based on the rights which are given to us in the Bill of Rights, it's not there. What is the Torah attitude? What's the Torah approach to this point? Do we find the same difference between the two points? between the rights of non-interference and the rights of social welfare. There's a mitzvah in the Torah that Rapush points out many times that the word stuffer is a fascinating word. We translate the word stuff in English as charity. Charity is something as much I cannot demand from somebody else, charity. But the word stuffer means tzedek, means, means, means it's, the word tzedek means I go to Besden and I would make a claim against somebody else and I win, I'm called, I was, I was, I was Sadiq. I'm the Sadiq in that din. It's a right. I'm correct. When you give a, a poor person stalker, what you're giving to him is something which, which is rightfully his. Ray Hirsch points out. It's not just something which is nice, etc. The understanding of, of the Torah is when a person gives something to somebody else, he owes somebody, so he owes it to that person. He has an acquirious to that person. He must give to that person. The same way he must not interfere with that person. There's a lava loy sigzon, there's a lava loy sigzon, and there's a lava loy nos devorin. There's a mitzvah of the Torah of Stokka, there's a mitzvah of the Torah of Bikr Kailam, there's a mitzvah of the Torah of, 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 of Avastesim. Those are chiyuvim those upon a person. There's not just nice flowery things. If you take it away, you're, missing, that you're not missing anything. If you're not just not done an action. That person, in essence, is missing something in the character of what the Torah wants him to develop. He's not what he's supposed to be. The reason why we, we perceive Loisigzo and Loisignoiz as being more of an avla than not getting stalker is because our mind has been askewed by the secular society. With the terrorist vision of a human being who takes money which is given to him by Kodesh Baruch to give to other people and he holds it for himself, he has the same misunderstanding of what money is all about as a person who's ever Loisignoiz. There's no difference between the two of them. Absolutely none. One's alive, one doesn't say. But that's where it ends. The Torah gave it, if we have no right to shit. Well, the law is more important than I say. That's not something which you have a right to make a decision. The vision of the Torah is a human being who take the, I want to take this one step further. And the onus of this, this burden, this approach, is not put on the person to come to me. No, only come to me and say, listen, I'm taking you the best and you owe me money. It's put on the human being, I must give to the Ani Stalker. 
The Iker Halacha, which is Neveya, that I cannot touch somebody else's property, is what the Torah said, Lo Yisik Noivu. I may not touch somebody else's thing. Therefore, I have, therefore, now it is protected by him. It does not start from the angle of rights. It starts from the angle of obligation. The difference is the world of Neuslin and Neuslin. In the world of Neuslin, I come with a claim, I have a right to something you must give me. You have nobody may interfere with what, what, what is coming to me. I put it in this world and there's a certain amount in this world which is coming to me. I'm, I deserve X, Y, and Z. I deserve not to be interfered with. I deserve you should tolerate me. You should permit me to do what I want to do, etc. In the world of Neuslin, in that world, a person focuses what can I do for somebody else, what must I do for somebody else, what is my focus in life. Interesting, as Regalib in this in this art in this essay points out that in the Torah there's no word for the, there's no word which is used for the concept called rights. There's no word in classical Hebrew for the word rights. We want to talk about a person who has a schus. So the word schus talks about a person who has a mitzvah, he gets a schus. And a person does, um, we talk about even the council, he has schus always. And we also talk about a person who has a schus. I have a right, I have a schus to be on somebody. We have to use the same word which develops for other things. It, it, it has to play a, 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 a dual usage to accomplish the same thought. But there's no word in the term. The term is not focused, the term is not give you rights. You want to know, do you have any rights in this world? Do you, have any, do you have any claims on anybody and anything? No, you don't. If your property is not yours, it becomes borrowed. Your life is not yours, it becomes borrowed. You have obligations. And a, 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 and a government, a, a, a society, a community of, of people who are obligated and fulfill their obligations is a society which is much beyond the, the having a spell of Shosham Abba, Shiamari, Maroi, Ish, Israel, Kain, Bloi. That without the government, there's going to be a problem interfering. We need interfering. I don't need the government. The terrorist concept, the word introduces in brothers, you learn brothers, you get the doctor, you get the mamash to begin your brothers. And here's our first introduction to the concept of the Gemara, of what it means a melech be a What it means the government and Klai Yisrael. And they come into the and melech, and he says, Klai Yisrael, I'm Chachir and Parnosah. We come to the melech, we need Parnosah. The melech has a request to give us something. That's the purpose of a melech is to give. The purpose of a melech is not to stop me from fighting with the person next to me. The purpose of the melech is to give me parnasa. That's his purpose. And the Sanhedrin comes to the melech and we understand this is what your role in life is. It's to give it in a, in a spiritual sense, in a physical sense. And you must come up with something. And this is Shalom Aleichem to, to Malchus. This is Shalom Aleichem, Brokhus Gaptalit. What it means, the, the first concept of what it means a melech. There were malachim throughout the generations who did like this. I'm talking about those kings not necessarily talking about Jewish kings who understood that that, that is the purpose of a melech. Many who did not. But the Mishnah does, the Mishnah does not come upon, put upon the melech, a melech, that responsibility. The Gomorrah does. A melech Yisrael has that responsibility. Revolver, and I'll be sure the end of the 
as a last maracha, the person moves from being a bacher into the kufa, being by bias, then request tafkid as he calls it, and he talks about the tafkid of a person as a rabbi, after a person as a leader in fire, so after the person as a businessman, he talks about the three points. And he goes beyond when, when the person talks about thinks about Krava Elam, thinks about the whole world, how he interacts with the whole world as responsibility. And there there's a thought which he uses, which I mentioned before, the Shardas also uses it, that the person's Ani expands. There's an expansion of the Ani. person has a conflict, do I focus on myself, do I focus on somebody else? He says, when the conflict is finally resolved, and the person realizes that somebody else is going himself. My responsibility to myself expands and I focus on other people also. And that is the, the, that is the process of maturation, that a person goes and matures from being a small child, which focuses on himself, which focuses on his siblings and his parents, and to, to his friends, and it takes upon himself responsibility. And as he becomes a parent, it becomes a husband, it becomes a parent, it becomes a rebbe, it becomes a member of the community. And it expands and it focuses. And it stands its purpose. Rashi says in Chumash, the Meshavetal says, says, when he points to the leaders, he says, you think I'm giving you surara? I'm giving you avdus. I'm not giving you surah, I'm not giving you your purposes is control. Your purpose is, you can use, you have power now, you can use it out to, for self-aggrandizement, to accomplish something. I've given you now, you have a job. A leader in Christ's job is to help other people. He serves them. Prince of Wales' motto, if they, I serve. Well, he keeps, it up or not, it's a different story. I find it fascinating. This is a point which we have from the Sarah, from, from, from the Torah. This is a Chazal. Rashi is quoting a Chazal. It's a Chazal already. This is, you're talking about, it's a concept in which Christ understood 2,000, 3,000, Mishas Matan Torah 3,300 years ago. We understood this concept. Recently was published an article by the leader of the Center for Applied, Applied Ethics called The Leader as a Servant. Business, a business leader. He has to understand his role as a leader is to be a servant. And that's how he'll accomplish something as a leader. This concept that a person as it grows, as it becomes more mature, as it becomes older, the what, what, what at that point is going to come to him is not more rights, but more responsibilities. This is what the Torah talks about. This is what the Torah understands. That's the message of, of, of Chumash. Obviously, at the same time, a person, we live in a society where a person has to understand there is a concept called schusatayna. Rishasam talks about a concept called schustarumas. Tarumas yeshle alav. We're later on the program. Sixth parak, seventh parak, talk about schustarumas. He has a right to make a complaint against me. So Rishasam says, he needs a right. The Mishnah has to pass on Shiloh. You have a right to make a complaint. You're not going to get any money, that's the Mishnah. But he has a tiny, it's called tarumas. He has a right to have a tiny on me. We're not fair, he wouldn't have that right. The person has to know how to deal with it. But the person's first focus is not what can I get, but what can I give. Mr. Leo writes in that country's 
how the revolver writes everyone in this room is either married or going to be married yeah some sooner some later I suggest is required reading before a person gets married Kurtis of Hesse it's available in English Back to Truth Volume 1 my wife once sent a letter to Revolva where he suggests a woman should learn from Musa. And he wrote back, That's what a woman should learn from Musa. And that's all she has to learn. If she knows that, she's okay. That's what he wrote. And there he gives a marshal example. He says, when a person and a child come to him, he says, at this point, in t- this point in your life, your whole focus is that each one wants to be native to the other person and make the other person happy and make the, do what the other person wants. And as long as that is your focus, your marriage will last. The moment your focus becomes what can I get out of the marriage, not what, can, what I can I give to the marriage, that is the beginning of the end of your marriage. They might stay together, they might not stay together. The marriage is lost. It's not a marriage anymore. It's not what a person could accomplish. Your job, he says, you tell the person in your job, he said he writes in that he would tell Hassan and Khaled, your job is to make sure that the rest of your life your focus is not what, what can I get, but what can I do. The person doesn't have to wait to be a Hassan and Khaled to, to, to go through the thought process. It takes place constantly in his life. It takes place interaction, race matter, interaction in the dining room, interactions in the dormitory, interaction in college. As a person goes a little further, interaction with, with the Rebbe to a Talmud, interaction with the person goes looking at the Rebbe to a Talmud, person goes into business with his colleagues, interaction in his community. And the focus of the Torah is not right. The focus of the Torah is obligation. The focus of the Torah is how can I give to somebody else? What can I do to give to somebody else? Not what can I get out of it? And it's a thought process which has to be constantly removed. We have to remind ourselves constantly because we don't we live in a society where that's not what it's all about. We live in a society which is built on a bill of rights. That's what it's built on. The states were not ratified the Constitution until they had the Bill of Rights. And they were right in that, because otherwise they, they might have not had it. But that's the society in which we live in. And a person if he wants to understand that he, that he's not he wants to protect himself from the hashpur of that society. And to understand the focus of the Torah goes much beyond that, much deeper than that. It is a system which has no shyness to that. A person has to remind himself constantly. A person has to work on himself. A person has to do it. Each time you do it, you, you fortify yourself this concept. There's a parrot called Niskeshkenim. And in Niskeshkenim, there's halakas. Like everything else in the Torah. You have to remarket your, your shiva from the city. You have to remarket your bees, your parrot from the bees. And those are almost shalom for that Christ of one person towards another person. Those are all the Christ I, I can't bring into my thoughts or the more as I shall, I have a right to bring into my thoughts every time because it makes too much noise it will disturb my neighbors from sleeping. It's a Allah There's a concept we call referred to as Gezel Shina. In Allah there's a concept of Gezel Shina. This person says, it's not what he gets you can't steal. The, the, the definition of Zalem is to take it for yourself. You can't steal the You can't take the real Shina. Like, some Rishonim, it's a law of the Raisa. You're being, it's, a, it's a form of a Nos Devorim. 
You're being honor somebody, you're, you're afflicting somebody with pain. You have a lot of the right. It's a piece of kazir. Every time a person interacts with somebody else and he says a comment, and somebody else feels bad because of it, you have a lot of the right. That's part of that Christ of a person that takes somebody else's feelings into consideration. A conversation last week, a few boys did something which a joke, practical joke, not a practical joke, a cute thing, etc. I said there's some people who feel bad about it. And it's Gehen. It's not nice things, yes, no, maybe. This is this is a lot. There's been eight and there's Gehenna. There's card is orange. There's a crime. They would it won't bother them. And I walk by the hallway and I hear the two boys, some of the boys are affecting and how bad they feel about it. Maybe it won't bother them. How would you feel like if you're in this position? Put yourself in somebody else's position. Understand somebody else's feelings. And I cry as the focus of somebody else. Interaction in yeshiva, by definition, in yeshiva is a fascinating place. You live at home, so you have to with, with your siblings. Most of us will not get stars from our parents and interact and our charts, how we interact with our siblings. If the person goes older, but you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a past. The person interacts with the yeshiva, you're with them during Seder, you're with them during meals, you're with them in the dormitory. There's a lot of chance for interaction. And though this is the opportunity, the opportunity for a person to develop in himself, to meet his titles, which a person will. The, the focus of I, my purpose is to make it with somebody else. Yeshiva has to make, makes a, the Moshe Yeshiva makes a chart of who has a price to carry the Shabbos students. In Kelim, it was a schus to serve the other Bokharim. The most cautious of Bokharim and Yeshiva were joyful to that schus. They should be able to clean and help somebody else. It wasn't, it was left over for a few people. It was a schus. It was, it was considered, it was considered a chashivas to be joyful. To do the most menial job which is necessary to help another Bentara. That was considered a minor. I could do for somebody else. They didn't have a cleaning crew. Somebody had to clean the bathroom. The most kosher of a in Yeshiva was Zoycha to clean the bathroom. We have to hear the words. He was Zoycha to clean the bathroom. Because he was able to do something for everybody else, it must be done, and it wasn't Bishmak to do. So he knew he's only doing it because he wants to help other people. And to be Zaycha, that's who's of Chesed, he had to be the most special of in the Yeshiva. Try to tell it sell to a Bukhar nowadays. And I'll get a new job. That was the attitude. That's the attitude of what it means. A base looser accomplishing human beings, understanding the focus of the reality of what life is all about. Of where we're going and what it's all about. What, we, what, what are we supposed to be doing over here? To clean the face that keeps saying is a schus. Because I'm being made to the human beings. I'm being made to the human And we have problems cleaning up the base medrash, Erev Shabbos. It's the same five book from every single week. Six Bokram, a few Bokram. Bokram Shem? We have problems with the Bokram, with the, with, the, with, the, with the Shabbos lists. 
where are they? They ate it out. They're not here for Shabbos. So get somebody else. Switch with somebody. Take care of it. It's not for Rodgers. But when it comes to the complacency, that somebody is using his, his, using his things in the dormitory. Without his resource. Not even without his resource. He told people don't use it. They still use it anyway. There's issues between bathroom and roommate issues. And it's also something which we have to realize that we're presented with an opportunity and with a challenge to rise to the occasion that we can be made to other people. We can give to other people. And we'll fail. And we'll try and we'll fail. And we'll try and we'll fail. And that's it. We'll try and be successful. But it's opportunities. And this is the boot camp where, you're gonna, where you can learn it. And get it into our bones. And that's what life is all about. So we go out and a person leaves the yeshiva. He goes out into a world where you're not going to have these lessons constantly hidden to you. And you're into the business world and that's not where the focus is. The focus of the business world is each man for himself. It's, built, it's the Bill of Rights. But he says, I live, I, I come from a different world and I know what it's all about. I know where I'm going and what I want to accomplish. The person goes out and becomes a Rebbe. What does a Christ mean to a Talmud? A Rebbe has a right for himself. He has a right for himself. He has a focus. He has an Christ. He's going to Christ to teach the Talmud. Take care of the Talmud. He tries, he fails, he tries, he fails, but he knows where he's trying for him. He knows what it's all about, where he's going. A person's in a community, and he understands the responsibility of help building a community. A Christ in a shul. And there's the people who require Shabbos to clean up the shul. And there's people who come in and use the shul. There's people who take out the storm and don't put them away. There's people who take out the storm and do put them away. A person is going to define now, as he teaches himself in yeshiva what it's all about, he's going to define now. Is he the person who takes out the safer and puts it away and makes sure the next person will be able to use it or not? Because he's thinking about somebody else. Is it a Christ to learn Is it a Christ to help somebody else? There's a person in the shul who needs an invitation. He's going to be the one who's going to run and give an invitation for a shaman. Here's where we're going to learn this. We should be excited to move from Bicentennial, the Bill of Rights, to the millennium old wisdom of the parents.